Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, just about wherever you are in the world today. All three of us today are, uh, well, seven, I should say, or well, six, I should say. My math is not that good today. <laughs> you identify as one collective group. I like it. We'll do with that. We're all over. We're scattered across the globe. We're here the uh, Thursday for Deering Live at the earlier time of uh, uh, noon Pacific and three o'clock Eastern. And it's about eight o'clock where these fine gentlemen are in uh, Ireland. Is that right, guys? Yeah, we're in Galway. Awesome. Today, we are thrilled to welcome, as you said, the boys from Galway, We Banjo 3, uh, comprised of two sets of brothers, Fergal and Ender alongside Martin and David. Um, and together they've been described as pioneers of saltgrass, effortlessly blending traditional Irish music and Americana and bluegrass. The results speak for themselves, multiple billboard chart number ones, numerous appearances at US festivals, including Melfest, Rump and Wintergrass to name but a few, live all the way from Galway on the west coast of Ireland. Please welcome We Banjo 3. Guys, how's it going? Good, good. Good, yeah. We're delighted Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, before we kick off, um, i got to say, when we were doing some uh, some homework and some research in the, in the last couple of weeks just on uh, on you guys and, and making sure that we, we knew everything about you, and what's interesting is when you do a Google search for each of you individually, uh, Fergal, Martin, and David all come up as musical artists. Andrew, you come up as an Irish music performer specifically. You guys aware of this? Or is there a difference? Or is there something that one of you is... <laughs> are you just more Irish than the other three? It's not actually a PG thing. You can't talk about it uh, after, until after the workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Irish banjo thinker. Irish banjo thinker. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you want to kick us off with a tune? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Let's let's kick it off with a tune. Let me. Hear Oh, 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 
to have you all sound fantastic um i'm a fan and uh thanks for being here thanks for having us um love to start off the, the, you know with the question about about the name um you know you, you all been on my radar for a while um and i i used i get alerts for for banjo articles and uh so we banjo three started popping up a number of years ago and i would always see uh you know I wouldn't see three banjos being played, but I've generally, and there's four of you and there's generally one or two of y'all playing banjo. Um, so where'd the name come from? I, I did just my research and it seems like uh, uh, both Edna, Martin and David, y'all are all banjo players and have won awards playing banjo, correct? Yes. Yeah, we're, we're gonna change the name to Mandolin Orange because that's available. <laughs> <laughs> When we started the bands, um, and, and even for quite a while, there, there often was three banjos on stage. Um, and then I think just as, as we started touring more and the music kind of evolved, we kind of fell into different, I suppose, different roles in the band and different sounds. And particularly when you're on stage and when you're touring, um, I stopped bringing a banjo purely on tour because it was it was just a lot to fly with all the time and I was playing it for one set a night, so. Yeah, we started out exploring all of the sounds that we could make on three Irish banjos. And the band became popular really quickly, probably because at that time there was a bunch of Irish bands that all had kind of Celtic-y sounded names. And then this ridiculous band came out saying, we're, we banjo three and we're gonna play everything from a really bad ragtime to Irish to probably even worse attempts at bluegrass music <laughs> and everything in between. But we were having a lot of fun. And so it got really big really fast. Uh, and then we ran into the, uh, you know, just the, how much music we could actually play on three banjos. And we got invited to play the Milwaukee Irish Festival in uh, 2012. And Fergal had already been on our first album on almost all of the tracks. And we knew that going out there, we weren't going to have enough volume with just the three of us. And so we asked, we actually we forced Fergal to come because at that stage he was quite reluctant about getting into a band with any number of banjos, let alone three of them. <laughs> and at this stage, it was all just a hobby for us. We were going to Milwaukee for fun. I had a job, the guys were doing PhDs and all sorts of stuff, and, uh, and it blew up. And we had no expectation that it was going to do that that weekend. And suddenly it became a career. Um, and it has just gone on from there to, to just to, to greater heights and it's been fantastic and just by the nature of the music that we play it's mostly one banjo because it's, it takes an awful lot of effort which you know we, we did at the start to make three banjos work and it takes a lot of effort to make two banjos work and it takes much less effort to make one banjo sit quietly in the background and, <laughs> and it doesn't like to share in the banjo 
Banjo Joy. That's yeah. the truth. Yeah, he actually, on tour, he all himself. on tour, he requests a separate dressing room. No, we, 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 we request a separate dressing room. That's it. Me as well. Well, what, is, what does make it work when you, you know, you still currently played with two banjos sometimes, and when you did play with three banjos, because that is a, is a thing, how, what, how did you make it work and not just kind of crash into each other and overplay? We're really lucky in that Irish music is organic. Um, we grew up playing a lot together in this, um, it's two sets of brothers. And so we know within the brothers, there's obviously a, a lot of music and shared music growing up, but then we were lucky to grow up close by and shared the same musical interests. And Enda taught me banjo, and, and Dave went to Fergal for Baron. So there's, there's an awful lot of shared musical history. It's sort of a shared musical DNA. And when we go to play something, there's a lot of intuition that happens between us all. So there's a sensitivity that's just built in from that. So we're hearing what someone else is doing and responding to that, building on it, playing off it. And I think we've also found clever ways to uh, you know, the Irish banjo was primarily a melodic instrument in the context of, as it came out within Irish music, we found clever ways to emulate some of the bluegrass tradition with, uh, the, you know, scroll style, three-fingered cross picks. Um, so we do something similar on five, on four strings with a pick. And we also do lots of claw hammer style stuff. And more interestingly, recently, Dave has just kind of claw hammer banjo playing. So that's a whole new soundscape is where Dave's playing claw hammer banjo and Enda's playing this uh, banjo by Tom Nectar. Which is... <laughs> That's right. He's playing a competitor's banjo <laughs> who will not be named. Oh, he's basically <laughs> very clever. No, that's my name. Oh, it is. Yeah. So, anyway, that's, that's enough of that. He's going to classify the rest of it. So, there you go. I, I promise I'd you. Love, this is a banjo made by. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I'd love, I'd love to hear some of that, that mixing of the claw hammer and the and the tenor banjo. Um, that was was a question I was going to ask because Ed and I, I noticed how you were, you know, not playing like just just melodies on it. You're playing those sort of cross picking roll patterns and getting because it's the, the tenor banjo in, in Irish music isn't usually used as a a um, uh, a, a backing instrument. Um, no, that was really so yeah, those the reason I had this banjo made. It's a twenty-two fret, uh, which is essentially a plectrum banjo, but right. and an Irish banjo is normally nineteen frets. Um, so the idea behind this was that by it being longer, it would have more resonance, so that you could get more of the kind of claw hammer old tiny tones from it. <laughs> So when the songs that we were doing started to meld more into what we love with the old-time bluegrass tradition, playing really picky Irish banjo style just wasn't fitting in as nicely. So just to try and accommodate that soundscape. So with this banjo, you can get both. You can do that, and then if you want, you can also get the. So it gives, it gives you both. So I saw you just you changed your picks to do that. So what's the difference in the picks for the different sound? Um, yeah, I mean you can you can get you can get a lot of range on one pick. So like this would be what I'd use on the road. It's a, a Tortex 50 mil or 60 mil. It's kind of so it's quite crisp. 
and for Irish banjo it gives you the triplets. <laughs> Just by moving up the up the neck, you get that softer tone. Uh, but then, if you play it with a much much heavier pick, you can kind of start to approximate the finger sound that you get on on claw hammer banjo. So faking it since. Yeah. 1976. And and then um, you're t are you what tuning are you using? Are you still tuning in fifths and you, you tune in at uh, GDAE or, or CGDA? Yeah, so it's slightly modified to ADAE. So the, the bottom string, which traditionally on a fiddle and so on, would be G. I tune uh -huh. it up to A, uh, and it just gives you more open tuning. And because I'm lazy, I don't have to stretch for the C sharp on the bottom string. But for the cross picking and you know even just for that rounder sound, you've got an awful lot more options when you're in close to open tuning keys of D and A. So slightly modified, and with this banjo, it's tuned to tone down from that, and then capoed or capoed if you will uh, into Irish tuning. So that just gives me even more range. I can slip this off and play. Uh, down in the key of C and F and things like that and get even more depth and resonance. So again, what 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 exactly is the tuning you're using? So right now it's A A D A E, E being the highest. Okay. So just a modification on the fifths. Gotcha. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And the. the, the that's an interesting concept. So that's do other does anybody else do that sort of tuning at all? Lo loads of people do now. I used to teach it uh, when I when I taught a lot of banjo. I would teach everybody with the G tuned up to A. And so there's a bunch of banjo players that do that that way now. Okay. Who plays mandolin and standard tuning and plays banjo with the A tuning. Yeah. I know we've had this kind of we've had a lot this question a lot of what is the standard tuning for Irish tenor banjo? Uh, you know, um, generally is is it correct that it's G D A E? But then I see Jerry O'Connor doing it doing the the, the C G D A uh, tuning Jerry's as a, Jerry, well. Yeah, Jerry's a Jerry's an outlier in terms of what's considered Irish banjo now in terms of the tuning. But if you go uh -huh. back to the very first manifestations of Irish banjo in, in the US in the early 1900s, when you had the Flanagan brothers, uh, James Wheeler, the, the guys that did the very early recordings, they were all tuned up in the same tuning that Jerry O'Connor uses. And so the first person to tune it like a fiddle was Barney McKenna, who played with uh, the Dubliners. And then that, that, that literally set the standard for all Irish banjo tuning from there on in. And Jerry is one of only a handful that that tunes it in what would be known as classical tenor banjo tuning. Gary O'Mara from Dublin is another guy that tunes in that. He's got some great solo records out. That's a good, good, another good example of from playing that. It gives you a different string tension. So there's a different feel to it, but you have to do a lot of transposition for your tunes. And I briefly flirted with it, but I was too lazy to you know, do all the transpositions. And that's the only reason. But I do feel like tension-wise, it's nice to play. It's really nice to play because yeah. your light strings and everything is really tight. But when you're playing in the Irish voicings of fiddle and accordion and stuff, 
you, you're either going to end up playing an octave above them for a lot of the stuff, yeah. or switching first switching half. your first half and second half yeah. octaves. So it's not as it's not as easy to, to slot in with Irish music. So if you, but if I was to, if I was going to start out and I wanted to play Irish tenor banjo, you would suggest the GDAE tuning. Yeah, because if you want to go to a session and learn from the vast majority of people that teach banjo, then GDAE is going to get you there. Yeah. Terrific. Well, I see we got two banjos in hand right now. Would y'all want to play another tune and uh, sh showcase both of those? Yeah, I actually picked up this one. You can see the. 19 fret, 21 fret, but then I saw it on camera and they just both look like banjos, so it's not that profound. But you could probably measure the next somewhat effectively and see if they're This is a set called Phil Cheatham's from oh, yeah. our album, very first album, we recorded this time. Phil Cheatham into an old time tune called Kitchen Girl and then an Irish tune called The Donegal Lass. So it's this is what we do best, bluegrass into the time into Irish, mixed all together.
Fantastic. Um, so what comes across in the music also in, in the banjo playing is that, you know, the constant notes and, and this really clean rhythm and clean tone you're getting. Um, is there any, any exercises um, y'all would recommend on getting that when playing Irish tenor banjo? It's a technique is a huge issue in Irish banjo. It's a huge, huge, huge issue. Maybe even more so than in five string banjo. I have never played uh, three finger picking or any kind of five string banjo, but from what I've heard and talked to people about, who was I talking to recently? Uh, Tony Trishka, who said, uh, thumb index, thumb middle, and you got Cripple Creek. <laughs> uh, Irish banjo isn't as easy. So there's an awful lot required with your right hand. Uh, so you need to have a very good setup, an awful lot of relaxation, an awful lot of fluidity. So having the correct setup on the banjo is really important. Uh, and then it's, it's just about learning the proper picking pattern. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. It's a, it's a a very, very steep learning curve at the start. So the triplets are... But if, if your picking pattern isn't good or if you have a lot of tension in your right hand, then that can cause a lot of issues. Uh, and both myself and Martin teach or would have taught an awful lot. And that's the biggest thing we've run into over the years is tension in the right hand causes massive problems. Very hard to get the cleanliness and to get the those nice crisp, crisp triplets if you're very tense. Yeah, yeah. It probably shares a bit with like with bluegrass mandolin maybe and like some classic guitar, like plastic and guitar. I mean, because when you sometimes you see the likes of Brian Sutton or Sierra Hall or Chris Jay, Jay Workman, they all have like really efficient hands, really like without any tension in the forearm, and that's that's the same principle like for, for getting the speed in as Emma said it's definitely key to be relaxed and it's tricky because even all the years of practice it still gets tense every now and again and then you have to mm -hmm. wage the mental warfare upon yourself to relax yourself that's, that's an yeah. end of the and are you anchoring your your right hand on the bridge? Not not on the bridge. No, it's, it's kind of anchored behind the bridge on, on the strings or on the on the tailpiece. Uh, I, I guess the, the key points will be to not not you, you don't anchor your fingers like you would on a on a finger picking five string banjo. So it's very much from the wrist. Um, so the best thing is to anchor on the tailpiece uh, with the. Crashy, choppy part of your hand, the ball of your hand, the ball. <laughs> hey, you got it. And then you're 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 essentially covering. The, you're not touching the bridge, but your hand is covering you covering the bridge. And a very neutral wrist and a neutral elbow are important so that everything is aligned and can move very fluidly and very easily. Non-partisan elbow and wrist. Yes. Mm. <laughs> it's, I would say something. I've learned from, because as Marin says, I'm kind of a newbie to claw hammer banjo and having played tenor banjo, but one of the things that the terminologies that made a lot of sense is uh, in claw hammer, they talk about the dance 
like like mm-hmm. the, kind of the pattern being a dance. And I think with tenor Irish tenor banjo, I think unknowingly there's quite a lot of that too. Like particularly when you're playing in six eight and jigs, there's a certain way you pick that naturally just has the rhythm of the tune in it. I think that there's a certain amount of that that is hard to define with, uh, as Enda said, more so with, you know, Scruggs style banjo, where you have a pattern that stays very, you know, similar, I suppose, or changes with the tune. But definitely with Irish banjo, I think that it's hard to fit the dance into the actual notes you need to play because you're playing singular notes. I think that's the thing that I know that when I was learning tenor banjo, that was one of the hardest things was learning to play for a jig, you play down, up, down, down, up, down, down, and then fitting the notes that you want and knowing when to stray from the rule. That's kind of a hard thing in, in banjo that's maybe not, it's not as clear cut. You can't, it's not a one rule that you can teach. It's kind of tune mm-hmm. by tune it changes quite a lot. Yeah. And you, so you generally aren't, you, you are switching it up, then you aren't doing just a down, up, down, up. You're doing, you're doing like a down, down, up, down sometimes. You're yeah, varying that, that pattern. If you, think, uh, if you think about picking a reel, uh, what, 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 the way that both Martin and I teach is that if you frame your picking pattern in 4-4, four, four, uh, and, and then you, I, I'm always reluctant to use the word regiment, but if you regiment it and cement it into a very strict down on the downbeat, so it's down up, down up, down up, and you, know, you leave your pauses where you have long notes, triplets and so forth are always down up, down. If you have those rules in place and you have your hand regulated to, to that, then you can stray as you need to because you have a, a pattern and foundation to fall back on. Yeah. Jigs then are completely different because once your picking pattern is established in a reel, you then have the ability to pick a jig however you wish. So if you want to go down, up, down, down, up, down, down, up, down, or down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, and a variation of all of that because you have the framework set then jigs just largely play themselves and you don't need to worry about them too much. Mm. If that makes that's very technical. Yeah, yeah. It's about the downs and the ups and the order in which they come. And it does it like I think ended the point you made there essentially like for anyone coming to Irish music, it's primarily was a dance music, you know? And and the banjo exists within it as quasi-rhythmic, you know, because you're articulating each subdivision. You know, when you're you're playing in a group setting you want to be cognizant of what downbeat is and the emphasis because that's driving the tune forward. And it's not as regulated or as uniform. There's like a natural swing and articulation that's within Irish music that makes it a little bit more nuanced in that way. And probably here in our playing is that the, the playing has a yeah is the word that's sometimes used in Irish in the Irish context, but it has a, a swing. And so just being cognizant as a banjo player to to capitalize on the the gravity pull of the down being more dominant. So as long as you put them in the right places and the ups kind of fall in between, then it sort of all sorts itself out. But at the same time, you're you're managing that rhythmic quality with also your um, your tension in your hands. So like the max pick, pick efficiency. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense to be picking all downs because at speed, then you know you have an awful lot of travel to do. So it's sort of mixing those two things, and then you come up with that philosophy as Enda said there. So if any of your viewers are struggling with the down of down or, or how to make a real feel more articulate. And there's two books that are available online. Um, and there's a whole host of videos out there nowadays. It's, it's amazing the quality of um, material that you can go and look at great banjo players like Enda, or like Jerry O'Connor, like John Carty, like Dave, 
even you might find the rare video of Fergus Pan Nigel, and you can see how the picking pattern is happening. And if you break that down, that would be good. A little bit of work in the in the in the short term pays massive dividends and yields over the long term you're playing because the number one reason, like we meet loads of banjo players who are aspiring to get better, and the number one roadblock on their journey tends to be that their picking pattern is something that they maybe rushed over the foundations a little bit and they're a little unsteady. And then when that comes under pressure, all sorts of tension is generated. And it's almost like harder to unlearn those techniques rather than just give it time to start. I'm really curious how all of this would translate to a jeering banjo because it works on these non-denominational banjos, but <laughs> were we to have some really nice jeering banjos um, true. or a, a tenor crossfire, <laughs> two of those, we could then try all of this theory out on those and then make a definitive uh, set of rules at the end. Sure. We can we can work on that together. <laughs> do y'all want, to, want to play another tune? Yes. Yeah, definitely. What do you want to play? What do we decide? What was the second, next, last thing? Do you This is a tune called Edmunds Cannon that we got our last album, and we wrote it as a, a sort of a, an exploration of how Irish meets modern American bluegrass.
<laughs> again, I really, really love uh, the sound. Um, another question we get about Irish um, tenor banjos a lot is 17 fret or 19 fret. Can you help clarify which you su would suggest for somebody starting out? <laughs> <laughs> no frets at all. <laughs> I never liked... I never liked 17 fret banjos, and that's just a personal thing. I found them boxy and kind of heavy and hard to play because of the short neck. You tend to need heavier strings on a 17 fret. And I like, and this is why I love the 22 fret, is because I can use even lighter strings and you got more tension. I think size of human probably plays a big factor as well. Like I had a 17, I had a 17 fret banjo because when I picked up banjo first, I was 10 and I wasn't really quite big enough to hold a, a proper banjo, so yeah. there's probably that, but I do I do think you're right in general. Yeah, my first banjo would have been a 17 fret Maydown as well. Oftentimes that's that's the deciding factor is the uh, fretboard geography, you know. It, it's the fretboard to human quotient, you know. Yeah, because it, it is it's it's a tricky stretch. Like if you think about mandolin, which then the in the fiddle octave, the reach is still quite doable. When it translates over the banjo. The reach gets quite pronounced, you know, especially from say like F natural to high B on the E fret, for instance. It's quite a stretch for a lot of them. So, so that, that you're constrained by that boundary. Otherwise, Ender would have a 46 fret banjo, <laughs> like Ravi Shankar, massive cross option that just takes over the whole. Thing. Yeah, but like I, I think just get your kids playing on a 19 fret and stretch out their fingers, and when they're asleep at nighttime, just go in and give them like stretch them out even more. So they're really long. <laughs> That's not professional and technical advice. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that's handy for your listeners, and I, I, I think it was Tom Custom who builds banjos, that really nice banjos as well. Um, they, he, he said to put alcohol, like rubbing alcohol on the tops of my fingers when I was a real small kid, because I used to find fretted instruments hard because my fingers get sore. I remember when I was a kid, I'd be dipping my fingers in this rum and alcohol. This explains so much, my hand. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love the taste of it. <laughs> so I actually had a Deering banjo for a time. My first bar armor banjo was a Deering. But then I moved back to Ireland and I had to consolidate instruments because I couldn't fly them all. And I sadly had to sell off a lot of my instruments. I have a space in my office right on my guitar stand for a Deering banjo. It's a space. <laughs> It actually says Deering on it in expectation. Uh, That's awesome. It's really, really nice. It's been a lovely interview. And we love what you're doing. We've been, you know, we all jokes aside, we really are big admirers of what Deering has been doing. We meet them, you know, meet you folks at Merlofest and many different festivals now. And it's just amazing to see the community. I think community is so important in niche music. Um, and to see the community that is so supportive uh, through the Deering initiatives, uh, it's great. And you see folks that have bought a Deering banjo way back in the under years or just bought one a year ago, and they're all chatting and talking about trading tips and everything. And I think that's a lovely thing. So hats off to you for creating that lovely community. It's, it's amazing. We, we appreciate that. We work hard at that. You know, that's part of it. And I think, uh, you know, Dave will probably agree. Our, our job is... You know, we want to we want to raise the profile of banjo as a, as an instrument. You know, in all of its different varieties, and and 
and styles, you know, and so we, we try and balance it out. Um, I know you guys are kind of on a time crunch and we're kind of fast approaching that mark. I did have one question though, if you don't mind, real quick. Because of the crossover, you guys are from Ireland and you're, you know, you're kind of blending those, those different genres. How has the reception been with kind of more, should I say, like bluegrass community based uh, players? Is everyone kind of all for it and the idea or are they kind of not, yeah, not really into, into the scene? We, we, we haven't had any pushback on either side of the water. And nobody said anything to us at any rate. Not your face, had, right? <laughs> we did have, exactly. We did have a track on um, on our album Haven, or was it Haven? Yeah. String Theory. String Theory. It was called Cheer Snapper's Delight. Hmm. And that was in relation to the, the bluegrass traditionalists who would snap their, snap their lawn chairs in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? As opposed to proper judgment upon progressive <laughs> music, but, but we never had that because I think that the thing is Irish music was, you know, the, was a central part of old time fiddle music. You know, as it came with immigrants, and we've explored this in depth in other conversations. But just to that point, that we've always felt really welcomed by both the people of Irish diaspora in the U.S., but also the folks who come from bluegrass tradition because they can hear within our music the same characteristics that like very folk um, music for the people. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's yeah. something deep within the fabric of both that connect to We're also, we, we don't say that we're a bluegrass band and then play Irish music mixed with bluegrass. We are an Irish band that plays a little bit of both. Yeah, you're very specific in the interviews that I've seen uh, when, when, you know, when you're introducing yourselves, you are, we banjo three, and you are very specifically from the west coast of Ireland, from Galway. Um, and then you know it's helpful for us to know where I would actually say that the, I think the only negative criticism that we've ever gotten to our faces, or apparently it was negative, <laughs> was, um, <laughs> someone once told us in a in a quite a quite an intense email that we were Lyle Lovett wannabes, which is actually quite a compliment. Like huh. I think we, we took it as a compliment, and in the second reading of the email, we realized that it was not meant as a compliment. But I think that's like largely the only negative criticism we've gotten. Yeah. Dave had a great idea one time that we would do a whole uh, Twitter series where we would read out negative tweets about the band as a, as a bit of a kind of a joke. And there were none. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you know you're onto something right when people start getting angry at you for things. So that's... Yeah. Uh, that's all good. Guys, I know you're, you're kind of up against the wall time-wise here, so um, now it's probably a good time to wrap. Would you be prepared just to play a little quick one to see us out of here? Of course. Is that all right? Guys, you've been magnificent. You've been really, really cool to hang with, and uh, Dave, thanks as always. Um, but uh, what, what a pleasure. What a pleasure to get to know you and the, and the band and the, the music you play. It's just astonishing. A lot of, lot of comments today just on the quality of the musicianship is, is just phenomenal. So uh, really looking forward to hopefully seeing you on these shores as soon as humanly possible. So um, keep safe. Keep playing. And also, where can people go and find you? Just plug yourself real quick before you go. WeBanjo3.com. We're on all the socials. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and uh, we're a very active uh, community over on Facebook. If people want to join in and know more about the band, there's a group called the We Banjo 3 Crew. And we also, I suppose, should say that we have a Patreon because we're writing a new album at the moment. And we have a wonderful group of supporters who have been over on Patreon helping us with that. 
Uh, so if you want to check that out as well, there's some really cool content over there. And we also have a brand new podcast called Inside the Banjoverse, which is exploring uh, lots of different types of folk music. But there's a new season coming up, which is goes really, really deep on banjo, both Irish and bluegrass banjo. There's some pretty stellar uh, giants in the bluegrass banjo world in there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your support and, and for your kind words. And we, we couldn't say more about you guys either. So keep it going and uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Take it away, guys. Uh, shove the pig's foot a little further than the fire, which is an old time gym, into the morning. I mean, head in north. Let's go to the morning.